Your health is our priority. Each series, it's our goal to make sure that we provide you with experts and guests that offer multiple perspectives so that you feel supported, empowered, and less alone. Like the work we do? Buy us a cup of coffee. Or tea. You can leave us a tip over at coffee.com slash the hip podcast, which is ko-fi.com slash the HIP podcast, or with the link in our show notes. When you buy us a cup of coffee, you not only support the work we do, but also gain access to early releases and downloadable resources. Again, that's coffee.com slash the hip podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Health It's Personal. We are in our physical health series and today have a wonderful conversation to share with you with Andrea Donsky. She's a nutritionist and a menopause educator and has shared so many things about menopause with us today that we had no idea about, which just kind of stems from the reason that she got started, which is that she was going through it herself and didn't have all of these answers or education either. So she created her company, Morphus to educate individuals going through these same challenges and has certainly educated us here today. We're so thankful for her because she absolutely validated all of the things that I've been feeling for the last 10 years. And I cannot believe how lucky women are to have educators like her out there who are so generous and kind with their time um, and just willing to share all the research that they've done so that we don't feel alone. Yeah, I loved how we had such a great conversation to break down some of the stigmas and just to make this a more normal conversation to have, because traditionally it hasn't been. People have been embarrassed or shy about talking about these things for so many different reasons, Um, especially like we kind of discussed with when it comes to aging, because aging is considered kind of shameful, you know, traditionally when it looks when we look at pop culture and things like that. Um, But, you know, just culturally, too, um, you know, women aren't supposed to age. So (laughs) but unfortunately, it comes for us all. Um, But I I thought it was so interesting to kind of look at any sort of health related topic, too, from this lens. Like, let's just kind of talk about it and watch TikToks and like make it more normal to just have these conversations. So, Kate, uh, what was it like with your mom growing up? Did she ever mention anything about menopause or... No, not at all. And um, I don't even remember her experience. Well, she was definitely irritable. So maybe. I don't know. (laughs) She was like that before. (laughs) No, I don't know. I don't know what she went through. But yeah, zero women in my life talked about it. And so I think that's why I resonate with Andrea when she talks about I mean her mom was definitely amazing but yeah there was that stigma surrounding it so I think that's a generational thing too and so her mom probably suffered a little bit in silence because I think that's what women of that time kind of did as they were strong and they just handled things themselves Um, but it it's so confusing. And I mentioned maybe a little bit like puberty where, you know, you, you hear things, but you, you experience them differently. Um, and so that's why I'm so thankful for her because McKenna now will not have to deal with it in that way. And McKenna and I have conversations about things like this all the time, but it, it is a little, you do feel a little shame about it because your emotions are all over the place. You're having anxiety. You don't understand kind of, it kind of hits you by surprise, I guess, which doesn't seem like it should, but it really does. And when you hear about the hot flashes, which is a typical symptom, you don't hear about all the other stuff. And Andrea said there's close to 100 symptoms. Um, And I 
wasn't expecting all the things that I'm going through. So, and you feel embarrassed too, because the, it impacts you, but it also impacts the people that you love. So if you're not feeling well, you're not presenting in the way that you'd like at work or with your family. There's like some guilt probably. Yeah. Or with your spouse, you know, you're, if you're burning up hot, you know, you're just sitting over there in the corner, like suffering. You're not in the mood. Yeah, exactly. Um, or if you're if you're grouchy with your kids or whatever. So it's nice that she was saying that she and her mom have since had tons of conversations and a lot recently. So that'll be like you and me cuz we've had conversations since you've been going through it. So when I go through it, we'll, you know, I know you're there and that's so great. We'll stick a pin in it. We'll come back to this later. <laughs> I saw the funniest thing the other day that I was thinking about when she was talking. So she was saying that when you go through this, sometimes for some people personality shifts can happen. Just the way that your hormones fluctuate changes so many things about how you experience the world when you're going through this. And sometimes when you're going through it and after, it, you're, you might feel like a different person or slightly different person. And there's this comedian that I saw online, and I forget who it was, but she was talking to the audience and she was like, "I'm so I'm trying to go off birth control. Has anyone done it? The audience raised their hands. And she pointed out, someone was like, how is it for you? Or what's going to happen to me? And she goes, you'll break up with your boyfriend. And she's like, <laughs> what do you, what? What do you mean? Like you go off birth control and then you just break up with your boyfriend. And the girl was like, yeah, your sense of smell changes and you're repulsed <laughs> by him. <laughs> so I imagine that could happen with this too, because that's the same thing. It's like hormone changes. And so I actually looked into it and that you, it can change your sense of smell and like your other senses when your hormones fluctuate and you're just like oh my god I cannot smell your whatever that is that's in your top of your head or whatever pheromones anyway mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well, <laughs> who are you I, I think like when you're pregnant too that similar thing happens right yeah, like you have, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so interesting. it is so mind-boggling to me to think about how we as human beings can have relationships with anyone else based on yeah. all of the different things that we go through in our lives hormonally and yeah otherwise but yeah well and i was also thinking like from the symptoms we heard it's it's kind of like years of being really sick uh, with some, you know, very uncomfortable, and that felt, probably sounds terrible to say, but like that's kind of what it feels like daily, and that's it's kind of like a chronic illness in a way for for that entire period, and so it's got to be frustrating for you to go through, and like we talked about, other people around you, like they don't believe you or they think you're making up symptoms, and it's like no, this is still happening. It's not just like a a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so. It's it's definitely reassuring to kind of learn about all of this and to be more aware and so that we can be more supportive of, you know, ourselves if we're going to go through this or for others in our lives if they're going through it. Yeah, even people who have really severe period symptoms, that's a whole week of your month sometimes that you do not feel like yourself. It can affect your relationships and it can affect just the way that you are experiencing your life day to day. And so it's very similar. So again, like you were saying, that's a great point, Sean, about just educating and talking about it more openly so that people can be aware and not be like, oh, you're not being like yourself. And it's like, I ha have, don't have control over this. <laughs> you smell so bad. Can't just eat a Snickers. And yeah. <laughs> I hate the way you smell. <laughs> 
I remember Michelle Obama saying in her book about being the first lady and dealing with like period cramping or just when you're not feeling like yourself for a whole week, but you have to like get up and do really important stuff like parent or uh, be an am- amazing at your job or whatever. But um, I'm really excited actually for Sean and for myself because I'm now kind of past it. Um, being able, because you mentioned about what an amazing support person you always are, Sean, but how you plan to support the people in your lives, that we can maybe even look at this, McKenna, before you get there and think about nutritionally, you know, just all the things that you can do, like knowing and understanding your sleep, micronutrients, about mm-hmm. how we can prepare for this a little bit better than I was. Yeah, especially with all of our past guests and their information that they've imparted. I know it's all wisdom. lining up. <laughs> I think that the community aspect is really important because it's easy to get frustrated. I'm sure, Mom, you can speak to that about how you're feeling. I know that I'm frustrated that sometimes that I don't always feel like myself because of my period or my anxiety And then I anticipate what I'll feel like when I'm pregnant or I watch my friends who are pregnant and aren't feeling like themselves. And then you go through your perimenopause and then your menopause and then postmenopause. You know, it's just like, it's too much. Yeah, it's 1000% too much. But the more that you talk about it with people, the more human it feels and the more you can appreciate the ups and downs. Our society doesn't always allow us to feel proud of that. Mm-hmm. I don't have the answer to this, but I'm wondering about people who have really bad period cramps or people who go through mm-hmm. a really hard time during puberty and maybe pregnancy. I wonder if they too have a really hard time in menopause just because that's how their bodies are or if it can be like one Not can really be different good. than the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Be- because that would be, I would, <laughs> I would feel so sorry for those people if that's just like kind of your whole situation. Yeah. Or maybe it's less severe for them. Oh, because they already went through the severity. I'll choose to believe that. (laughs) Me too. Andrea is such a light. She shared so much wonderful information today about the science behind how our bodies work going through menopause, her personal experience, and so much more. So please grab a cup of tea and enjoy. Health is harmony. When you're aligned to everything you believe in is when you feel that harmony and you feel peace. Trying to get to the root cause of things. There is just so much to learn. Can you be present in those moments in your life that mean the most? Because health, it's personal. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for joining us today. You've been a pioneer in the health and wellness industry for over 20 years now, and your work has inspired so many people. Your specialty is in helping to educate others about menopause, where you help to normalize conversations on what is usually a stigmatized topic. You're also a published author and entrepreneur. What got you started on this amazing journey? Well, thank you for having me. This is great. I love speaking with you. I would say it was my personal experience. I, when I was, had my third child at 41 and at 42, I started to experience all these changes in my body. And at 47, and I didn't think I, I asked questions, but I didn't really think much of it. And then at 47, uh, two months after my, my birthday, I'll never forget this. I got the worst hot flash I could possibly get. I was like, whoa, 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 what just happened? And that's when it kind of put two and two together. And I thought, well, wait a minute. 
maybe what I've been experiencing over the last five years that I really couldn't find answers to is actually menopause. And I didn't even realize, I didn't even have the language to think perimenopause versus menopause. Like I didn't even know, I knew nothing about it. And that's what led me down, you know, I'd say this rabbit hole of research and information so that I can understand what was happening to my body. And I thought, well, if I don't really understand it, perhaps other people don't too. And that's really what got me started on my journey. That's no amazing. one understands yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and before we uh, get too far away from it, um, for those who haven't been through that experience with that hot flash, could you maybe quickly describe what that felt like for you? Oh, such a good question, Sean. Okay. It's like, it's like an inferno in your body. <laughs> like it kind of creeps up on you. And, and this was for me, like it creeps up on, on you. And all of a sudden you're like so hot that you want to like take off everything. <laughs> like your shirts, your, your like literally your socks, like, and I'm, you're like trying to find something that's going to cool you down. It's like this internal inferno that takes over. And then for many of us, we start sweating profusely. We get, you know, beads of sweat down our face. Um, you know, for some people it can be heart palpitations. It can be just, it's like this, this, heat that takes over your body that can create kind of this cascade of other feelings. So, and then for many of us afterwards, which is also not that well known is that we end up getting cold flashes. So we have this, you know, this heat that can last for, let's say 30 seconds. I'll describe me. So it would last for like 30 seconds and then it would subside. And then all of a sudden I would be so cold that I had to like take all of the clothes I just took off and then add on more sweatshirts, sweaters, like it would, you would be freezing. (laughs) So you go from like this heat sensation to this freezing cold sensation, all within a matter of like, it can be under a minute. It's it's pretty interesting. <laughs> That's crazy. And I know that you have done an immense amount of research around menopause symptoms. And I'm so excited to talk to you about that today. Um, but just kind of staying on the hot and cold flashes, because it's so fascinating. Do you know what's happening inside the body when you're experiencing that? Like specifically, you know, vasomotor, like the vasomotor symptoms. I mean, or if there's like a what, what, if there's something that triggers it, or if it's a hormone, something that's causing you, because I'm like, how does this inferno like, start? I, (laughs) so I'll take a step back. Like, like, what's happening? What's going on? So there's actually, there's several different reasons for several different of the symptoms. So se- several symptoms. So it could be, for example, triggers. So some people, let's say, I always say before menopause, if you were able to drink alcohol, for example, wine, and then after menopause, you're like, mm, can't do that anymore. Because when I drink my wine, I'll get a huff flash or a night sweat, or I won't sleep as well. Uh, it could be chocolate, it could be caffeine. So there are different triggers, it could be stress, which is a huge one, blood sugar dysregulation. So there are so many different triggers triggers that can set off symptoms and create whatever it is. So like, you know, and to your question about the symptoms, there are more than 85 different signs and symptoms, and I'm happy to go into my research there, but it really could be different triggers and it's hormonal fluctuations. And for a lot of us, let's say, for example, itchy ears, which is a less known symptom of menopause. Well, it has to do with the fact that our estrogen is declining, going down. And when estrogen goes down, estrogen actually keeps our skin moist. And it pumps up our skin. So when estrogen goes down, our skin becomes thinner, including the mucous membranes in our ears, leading to drier, itchier skin. So that's why, like, for example, something like an itchy skin would happen. There's BO, there's restless legs, which can be a mineral deficiency or those hormone fluctuations. So there's several different reasons as to why somebody would be experiencing some of, you know, any of these signs and symptoms. Wow, that's crazy. 
Yeah. It's that's all I have to say. It, yeah. Because yeah. that's the best response. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. Wow. Well, when you said 85 symptoms, you know, um, when we had chatted prior to this, some of the symptoms that you were saying, I am through menopause and I've gone through these different things and I still didn't even realize that they were related to that. It, th- some of them are so, so far from what you would think would be a symptom of menopause. Would you mind telling us a little bit about some of the common symptoms and then also some that are just, you wouldn't expect? Absolutely. So when I first started learning about menopause, I remember I was at a party with a friend and she was telling me she was starting an app in the menopause space. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I'm having like really bad hot flashes and night sweats. I can't sleep. I have migraines. Like, my, you know, like the list went on. I gained a lot of weight. And she was like, you know, there's probably like 30 symptoms, 20 to 30 symptoms. And I was like, wow, that's a lot. But my, the way my brain works <laughs> is I'm such a, I love data, right? So any, as much data, data that I can get my hands on. So I was like, I'm just going to start tracking them. And then I started speaking to people and I started asking questions and I started digging into the research. And I realized I soon that list and over the last five years went from like those 30 to like even close to hundred now. I've coined the term there are 85 plus, but really there are so many. So to answer your, quest, your question, Kate, the more common ones would be the hot flashes and night sweats, the anxiety. That's a really big one for many of us as we go into this phase of life, whether it develops or it exacerbates in this phase of life. Mood swings, weight gain. I gained a ton of weight when I was you know, going through perimenopause. Again, not understanding why. Now I understand that the hormone ghrelin is highest in perimenopause, higher than it is before and after, which causes us to eat more, right? So we're hungry. I had this insatiable appetite. I could not find that answer anywhere. And now I understand it's because it's highest in perimenopause. So those would be some common ones as well as sleep issues. And then you have some of the lesser known ones would be the itchy ears, like I mentioned, restless legs, muscle spasms, eye twitches, which are related to those hormonal fluctuations, or it could be a deficiency in minerals like magnesium or potassium. We also know body odor. This is one, it's fascinating because so many of us don't realize, I didn't either, that you know our body chemistry is changing, things are changing, we're sweating more often, which could lead to body odor. And because we're more anxious in this phase of life, the type of sweat that our body sweats out or that makes when we're anxious or have mental stressors is more pungent and stronger than it is when we exercise. And it's mostly in areas where hair is. So that becomes this feeding ground for bacteria. So those would be some of the lesser known, you know, the same thing as pains in our body, frozen shoulder. I had a frozen shoulder for so long and I had no idea that it was connected to perimenopause. Okay. We need to chat about this because I have a frozen shoulder right now. And I was like, what's happening? I didn't know what I did. And they're just like, there's no explanation. And I was like, okay, if the orthopedic doctors like knew that that was a symptom and knew my age, maybe they could help me understand it more. Um, would you mind talking a little bit more about that? Cause I'd love to know. I've been waiting forever to ask you this. What's interesting for me when I developed my frozen shoulder. So it was over a period of a while and I thought it was because of how I was sleeping. It was in my left arm. And I thought it was because of how I was sleeping, maybe because I sleep with my arm back. But then what I realized is that it was like getting progressively worse and worse, even though I wasn't sleeping with my arm back. And I went to go get, I heard, you know, some people had mentioned chiropractic and I tried chiropractic, sorry, um, acupuncture. I tried acupuncture. I tried massage and it was my massage therapist that said to me, Andrea, like, it looks like you have a frozen shoulder. Like you better take care of this really quickly because it can cause some issues, you know, with your, you know, with your movement. So then I had, I saw someone on Instagram, actually, this therapist, he's a stretch therapist. 
and he understood the way the body works. So I went to go see him. I think I did like five or six sessions with him and he would literally take my arm and he would stretch it out and it helped me. It That was the only thing that helped me kind of get rid of it. And now I have full motion in my shoulder, but it was this, it was very painful. I'm not going to lie. It was the pain was excruciating, but it was the only thing that helped me kind of work it out. So definitely, I I really believe when you have an issue, and like you said, Kate, like it would be great if um, people, our healthcare providers understood it a little bit better, but going to see the right provider that understands, let's say menopause, or that understands a frozen shoulder can actually be very helpful in this time. So to get the outside help that we really need to help us work through what some of these symptoms are. Yeah. I mean, going through this is such a transition and you just start feeling like you just age overnight because you're going through all these symptoms and then your arm's not working. Like, you know, you're feeling your skin is dry and you're like, what's happening? Am I decomposing right now? Just like it, seriously. Well, I remember sitting, um, like I would be sitting on the couch or like chatting with someone and have a cardigan on and then I would take like one arm out. And then I just be sitting there with one arm in and one arm out. And my husband's oh, like, yeah. what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just trying to regulate. I was thinking last night as I was, um, cause I, I sleep normally in a tank top, a very light tank top. And last night I ended up sleeping in a t-shirt cause I couldn't find my tank top or whatever. And I went to bed and it was getting late. And then I remember I woke up this morning going, yeah, that's not going to happen again. It is like way too like hot. Like it was even, it was light. And I'm like, no, I'm too hot. Like we have to find these things that work and the tank top seems to work, <laughs> you know, something that's really light and kind of almost not there almost. Yeah. You become yeah. a scientist, right? <laughs> we also just spoke with someone about sleep recently and we know how important that is and how much of a disruption um, these imbalances can be and these or these fluctuations can be on your sleep and um, then it just is cyclical because you don't feel like yourself the next day do you have any more information to share in regards to that at all so do we have like two hours that we can yeah. talk about? <laughs> <laughs> i'm totally kidding I, you know what i i laugh because i say i'm a menopause sleep biohacker because it really is true it is the foundation for everything and it is such a big issue as we get into this phase of life and one of the earlier symptoms that starts to happen in the earlier phase of that perimenopause for many of us and there are a lot of reasons for it but in terms of you know helping us sleep better yeah i definitely have some tips so i always say sleep hygiene is a really big part of it so you want to make sure that Number one, the your room is dark because when your room is dark, you'll get that better night's sleep, right? Any type of light. There was research. I was doing research re- recently and they were saying that ambient light from outside actually affects us, obviously affects our melatonin, but it also can affect us from a standpoint of blood sugar. So we really want to make sure that our room is pitch black to get that better night's sleep. And then we also want to make sure that in the morning we get some sunlight in our eyes. At least if you can, 15, 20 minutes, a half an hour, no sunglasses, just looking up at the sun, because what that does is it tells our body, it works on the circadian rhythm saying, it's time to wake up. You know, it's not time to go to bed, it's time to wake up. We also want to be mindful of blue light before bed because blue light wakes us up. So at night, our body produces melatonin, which tells us it's time to go to bed, time to stay asleep, kind of wind down the day. So if you're going to use your technology at night, usually, you know, make sure it's either an amber light or you're using the night shift mode on your phone or using filters, or a lot of us have LEDs. Like I know LEDs are big with my girls and I say, don't use the blue one or don't use the white one, use the red light or the amber light because that won't keep you awake. So those are some, just some tips around sleep hygiene. 
That's great. I love that so much. Um, we've been trying to create our little wind down routines. <laughs> so um, hopefully we'll work through that. But those are really great tips. I love that. And not eating too close to bed. That's a very important one. too, Because you want to give your body that three to four hours of like digesting. And then when we go to bed, it's about repairing, right? So we want to keep those really separate if we can. That's a lot of the same information that we've been hearing from the sleep expert. And um, Mm -hmm. we need to let that sink in because it's so important that we do these things, but we don't, I'm constantly eating like an hour before bed or whatever. Yeah. My issue is being too hydrated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You go to the bathroom a lot. That is one of the reasons we do a sleep survey right now. It's really, it's active on our site right now. So if anybody's interested in taking any of our surveys, it's on our website under research. And I I was very curious because I wanted to understand as we get into this phase of life, why are we not sleeping? So what are the issues? Because again, what happens before is very different than what happens now. And a lot of the reasons are a lot of women will say, or the individuals will say, it's because I have to wake up to go to the bathroom and, or it's because I just, I can't turn off my brain. We wake up between that two and 4am, which is generally cortisol rising at the wrong time. You know, it's they can't fall asleep. Perhaps they have insomnia or they have heart palpitations or they get nightmares. So there's so many different reasons. But Sean, yeah, that is one of them for sure that keeps us up. And I've had some people tell me they can wake up every hour on the hour to go to the bathroom. So avoid drinking too close to bed. And that also plays into the vas- vasopressin, which is an antidiuretic hormone. And there's some, you know, some tips around that that you can do as well that kind of prevent that from happening. It's not that many times a night. If you go once, I get it. But like every hour, that's really tough and just... That's a lot. Yeah, Yeah. That's, that's exhausting. One of the best things about this podcast for us is all the amazing and insightful people we've met. Throughout each of our series, we've seen many common threads. That's why we created the Health It's Personal Inspiration Line to celebrate our unique perspectives and let others around us know that we get it too. We teamed up with artist Cloud Ramkey to help bring these common threads to life. We've all dealt with challenges in our lives that make us stronger. Hence, our new favorite saying, thanks for the trauma. We make sure to remind our listeners and friends that you're not alone and that it's always a judgment-free zone because that's where the best conversations start. Our designs are on t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, water bottles, coffee mugs, stickers, and so much more. These are great gifts for friends, loved ones, educators, caretakers, and advocates to help show your people that you care about their health and well-being. Head over to bonfire.com slash the hip podcast, our website, or our show notes for links to the merchandise and stay tuned for future inspirational designs and messages too. Kind of going back to your personal journey, I know that that's what sparked you to go down this path and help other people. What did it feel like for you to start going through menopause and realize that it maybe wasn't what you thought it was going to be, or there were components of it that weren't what you were expecting? You know, it's a great question, because the truth is, I didn't really have any expectations. I didn't really know what to expect. Other than I remember my mom complained about hot flashes for a long time. So my only recollection or knowledge about coming into going into perimenopause or menopause was that I would have hot flashes. And that was about it. But I never really thought much about it. I never gave it much thought. I never learned anything about it. I never had a discussion with my doctor, never talked to my mom about it other than hearing her complain about it and felt feeling sorry for her or feeling bad for her. But I didn't, I never learned about it at school. I never talked to my doctor about it. So I didn't really have, you know, I didn't really have much of an expectation, but I would say if, you know, to, if I were to give you an answer, I would probably say, I thought 
it probably wouldn't be so positive because of the fact that my mom had all those hot flashes for all those years. So I would say that would probably be the only thing. But other than that, I really didn't, I didn't really think much about it, which is probably sad to say, because it's a phase of life. You know, we think a lot about puberty. We hear a lot about puberty. We, you know, pregnancy and, you know, all these other phases of our lives, these big changes, but we don't really, we never hear about menopause, especially not in the school system. Do you you feel like that's because you went through it maybe um, a little early, like earlier than most women do? So that's a great question. And I, you know, it's the average age of menopause in North America is 51 and a half. So if you go into, so anytime after the age of 46, if you go into menopause after the age of 46, that's not considered early. I went into menopause. It was, I was either 49 or 50. I actually don't even know. And that's a whole other story because, uh, because of, you know, some, something to do with my cycle, but somewhere around there. So I was pretty much close a little bit earlier than the average, but I was pretty much close. But when I would ask my friends who are the same age as me, I'd be like, Hey, you know, are you, you know, are you getting any symptoms or, you know, are you experiencing anything? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. And like, I found like people don't, didn't want to talk about it. So I didn't even have a lot of, even my friends, I wasn't even able, wasn't even able to speak to them about it because it was very much of like, they didn't want to go there. They didn't want to talk about it. They were either, could they could have been embarrassed. I know I was, I mean, talking about dryness everywhere. It's not, I laugh. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's not like we're like, Hey, how's it going? Hey, do you have dryness, you know, kind of down the like, <laughs> conversations you're having right so it it just it's one of those things that I really didn't go through it that early but I kind of felt like I might have because of the fact that no one else was really talking about it in my circle yeah and maybe due to our fear of aging and um, insecurities and not being read you know it probably snuck up on you too a little bit Absolutely. And you're bingo, you're, you're spot on about the aging. I remember when, so when I was 47 and I had that hot flash, all of it started to kind of come together for me. And I thought, oh my God, I'm three years away from, oh my gosh, I'm three years away from being 50. I'm getting old. Hot flashes, menopause, 50, like, oh my God. It's like, I kind of felt like it was like, okay, like now it's like, I'm like, I'm my mother, my grandma, like you kind of have all these preconceived notions of what aging is. And I will tell you this much is that I was listening to a podcast with Oprah and I love this story because she was interviewing some models who were in their sixties. They were having an honest conversation about aging. And then Oprah was like, do you talk about your age? And, you know, it was one of those things that Oprah came back and said, you know, like, I don't understand when women don't share their age because it just means we have more experience under our belt. It means we've been through much, you know, if we're 20, we don't have the experience we have at 50. And that's when I was like, Bingo. Uh, that that just resonated. So I remember it was it was just before I turned, you know, I turned 50 and it was probably I was like probably 49 at the time. And I was like, yep, Oprah, I got it. I'm going to own it. And then when I turned 50, I was like, I just told everybody. I, and now I'm like, obviously, so open about menopause and my age. So I don't hide it anymore. I'm 52 now. And I realize when you hear age is just a number. It really is like, and now I'm like, okay, now I really understand what that means that it's just a number. Yeah. And it's so easy for us to allow things to define us instead of having us define that number, you know, oh, look at her. She's still, you know, doing all these things. And, you know, whoever you are, you know, you are defining what that age is for yourself. It doesn't mean that you're instantly old or anything. You're the same as you were. 
the day before. <laughs> and I was putting limits on myself. You're so right. Cause in my mind, I'm like, well, wait, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I have these companies and people are, they going to want to work with me. I'm like, gonna, you know, I'm 50, like I'm going to be 50. Like I, maybe I am really old. Maybe I like need to retire. Like I, all these thoughts. I mean, I'm just being honest, like all these thoughts that through my mind. And then once I got past it, I'm like, uh, uh-uh, I'm just like, I'm just getting started here. <laughs> like, absolutely. It's just a number. So abs- I, I agree with what you're saying. And on the other side of that, I think we still feel like we're 30. Do you know what I mean? Like our mind, like how excited we are about life. And so when when things start happening that make us feel different than who we think we are, <laughs> it's just kind of like a strange um, dichotomy. <laughs> It's so true. I say that all the time. I feel so young. And sometimes I look at my kids, I have a 19, 17 year old and an 11 year old. I had my third, I said is 41. I'm like, how do I have like a 19 year old son, almost 20? Like in my mind, I'm like, wait, that's not possible. But it's so true. Are you and mom the same age? Maybe. I yeah. don't know. You don't have to. I think yeah. we are. Yeah, I we're the same so. age. Yeah. And uh, I, in two weeks, I turned 27. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which sounds old to both of us, probably. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay, you had kids before me. I waited a little bit longer. But yeah, like 27, right? And you're, you know, early 50s. So it's, you know, like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, you're thinking about all of this stuff that we just talked about for so long throughout this entire process. So you have so much time to let it marinate and uh, to kind of stress you out or, you know, all of those things we just mentioned. But um you know, could you tell us a little bit about what that process looks like um, over the whole time and, you know, the difference between perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause? Yeah, sure. Great question. So let's start with the definition first, because I, I'm often asked on my TikTok page, what is the difference? Is there a difference? So when you talk about, so perimenopause are the years before menopause. They can be anywhere from two to 12 years. It can be a very, like for me, it was eight years eight or nine years. Again, I'm still trying to figure all that out, but it was, it was, a would say eight years in perimenopause. Menopause is once you've gone 365 days or one year without a cycle. So you have zero bleeding within that one year. Menopause itself by definition is just one day. So it's that one day. Everything after that is considered post-menopause. So once you're through menopause, you're in post-menopause for the rest of your life. And there are different phases that it can come on. So perimenopause you know, in the beginning, you might feel more tired. Maybe, you know, you've had a lot of energy. And then at the end of the day, you're like, I'm really tired. Or you have migraines or headaches that, you know, aren't, they're kind of, they're coming on more sudden or more often. Your cycle is starting to change. Maybe you're getting heavier bleeding, lighter bleeding. It's shorter, it's longer. So, you know, I was talking to someone today. She was saying that she hasn't, you know, her cycle was 18 days and it was 21 days. So then she didn't have it for four months and then it came back. So it starts to change also with your cycle. Uh, PMS symptoms might be a little bit stronger. You might have them a little bit more than you've had them before. So there's these subtle changes that starts to happen. You're starting to gain weight. And whereas before, perhaps you were able to, you know, lose it really quickly. And now you're struggling to lose that weight. And that's what happened to me. My chest got really big to the point I couldn't even put my clothes on. I could not, I have these like tank tops that I love to wear. I couldn't even get it over my chest. And I remember saying to myself, like, I haven't changed anything that I'm doing. I didn't change the way I'm eating. I didn't change anything, but it's our hormones. It's the fluctuations. And there's a lot of reasons, you know, why we gain weight at this time. So I would say my clothes didn't fit me. So it was a very gradual kind of like, hmm, that wasn't there before. Or you're waking up with like a bruise every other day, or you're like, 
how come this is happening? So it kind of, for many of us, not, and that's everybody's experience is so unique and different. So, you know, I'm saying, you know, this for many of us and for the people that I've heard from, this is a very common thing where things are starting to kind of change slowly. And then eventually you, you starts to kind of ramp up. And then you're in, when you go into menopause, you don't have that cycle. The one thing I will say that's very important is that if you do go 12 months without bleeding and then you have any type of bleeding after that 12 months, you have to go to the doctor. You need to go get it checked out to make sure it's nothing. I went 13 months my first time, then had a cycle and then went, but I went to the doctor to check it out because you always want to be sure. So I'm always like, work with your healthcare provider, work with your doctor to always get things checked out, make sure there's nothing going on, rule everything out. And then, you know, kind of like, it's like, it could be a menopause or it could be perimenopause or it could just be perimenopause or it could just be, you know, something that kind of happened that we don't know why. Yeah. I think that's maybe um, part of the issue is that everyone does experience it differently, maybe a little bit like puberty. You know, we all go through these things at different times. And so you have like, even if you get good education and air quotes, um, it's it's hard to understand like if something's going on with someone else and that's not the way it works for you that you know it's confusing and so the same thing with menopause um we we all have these different symptoms you know someone might have a frozen shoulder someone might have really a lot of anxiety or emotions surrounding that or weight gain or all of it and so i think that's why it's maybe so confusing for us um because it it presents differently for each person Heart palpitations is another one. A lot of, yeah, it's a big one. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, McKenna and I were just talking the other day because I've I've been more emotional during menopause. And so I was upset about something and I'm like, I don't feel, I don't know why I'm upset about this. And I said, what if like me getting upset about it made you think that I was upset with you? And it really, it's just symptoms from menopause. And so we're having these discussions that shouldn't even be had in the first place. And so it's this whole crazy like cycle of, I don't know what it's nuts. The emotional roller coaster is massive. I've had, you know, people on my TikTok page say that this one woman told me the other day, she said that one of her major symptoms was a complete personality change. And like she, and so I wanted to, I, I asked her, I'm like, okay, tell me a little bit about that. And she said she literally completely changed her personality. She was mean and she was rageful and she just wasn't herself. And she said that it had cost her her marriage and some friendships. And I was like, and I, I obviously I, I feel really bad and I, you know, but I understand because for many of us, rage is a big one. Like I used to say all the time and because I was very communicative with my kids and my husband, it became a little bit of like, okay, well, mom, it's mom's menopause, you know, like, so we kind of made a little bit of a joke out of it, but, and, and that helped us deal with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's the menopause talking, but having said that it is a very, very big issue and mood is an issue is, is big. And I remember waking up when I was in perimenopause and I would say, I wake up really happy, but it's all of you, you know, around me that I'm just getting so irritated by, like I joke around about that, but, but I was, irritability was a massive symptom for me. Yeah. Um, when my mom was going through it, that was one of her biggest worries is she's like, I feel like, you know, so horrible about, you know, these, um, these issues with my mood and, you know, and we were fine. Like we didn't, she probably felt it much more than we did, but you know, she felt so guilty for that. But, um, I think she, she did actually pretty well considering <laughs> how challenging it was. Um, but with all of that in mind, do you know what, um, loved ones could do to kind of help women going through this? Oh, I love that question. So I would say I always, I, I always go back to communication. 
So what we hear often is that our partners don't really understand what we're going through. So unless you're going through it or you've been through it, then it's really hard for someone else, like anything and whatever that is in life, right? Until you experience it yourself. So I would say the number one thing so that you can you can educate your partner and you could tell your partner, you communicate what's going on. And in some cases, I've heard some people say that their partners either don't believe them or they say they're making these up, they're making their symptoms up or they're being dramatic. So I would say, you know, show them, show them some of my TikToks, show them my videos. My husband's in a lot of my videos, right? So he's, he's, he's awesome. Like he kind of, he's great. So he's in a lot of my videos. So that hopefully, if that helps to validate for some of them who, if they have male partners, like, so for me, or if they have a female partner, then I've heard from some women that it's easier for them because they go through it either together or their partner has gone through it first. So I would say education is really important. I would say, and then also ask for what you need. So it's vocalizing what we need from our partner and saying, you know what, listen, I'm having a really difficult time right now. Here's how I need you to support me. And it's different for all of us, right? The number one thing is validate me, validate me, because that's what I find so many people, they're not validated. So if you validate how I'm feeling, well, that's a really good starting point to helping to support me. So if you validate them and then maybe doing their own research, maybe showing them the videos, or maybe they're asking their partner to do some research on their own, which I know isn't necessarily something that many people will do, or maybe handing them some research or reading a book together, watching a documentary together, you know, whatever it is, it's just, it's talking about it and normalizing it. So that way they could see that their partner isn't the only one going through this. That's great advice just in general, too, (laughs) for any topic. Yeah, (laughs) I'm going through menopause and it's going to be about eight years. Could you please leave and then come back when it's done? (laughs) Um, Would you mind telling us about your TikTok and why you love it so much and what kind of response you've had to it? I know it always makes me smile when I hear my TikTok page because, you know, I've been on social media for a very long time. And I decided to start TikTok in February of 2020. I think it was 2020. I started it and I wanted to, I wanted to try TikTok because I hadn't, I hadn't been speaking about menopause anywhere. So I didn't talk about it on Instagram. I didn't talk about it on Facebook. wasn't talking about it on Twitter. And I thought, well, let me try talking about it on TikTok. And I remember hearing Gary V. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary V. He's awesome. So he's, um he's been talking about it for a really long time and probably about three years. And he said, every social media platform changes. And I was like, okay, but how am I going to do it? I don't dance. And, you know, I, my kids are on it. And I finally said, okay, when the idea comes to me, the inspiration, then that's when I'll start it. And that's when I was like, okay, I got it. And in January of 2020, I said, okay, let's try doing educational videos, funny videos, and going on TikTok as a platform. Let's try it. If it works great, if it doesn't, well, at least we tried. And it just, it, it was amazing. Like it was because I find that TikTok for me allows me to be, cre- it allows me to use my creativity because I'm, you know, I have, I'm a lefty. I've got like, I love, I just love being creative, but it also allows me to be authentically who I am. I find that I just, I mean, I go in, I have my hot flash mode and I just, I have fun. It's about fun for me. And I think fun validation and support. The community there is incredible. I find that the energy is super positive and it's great, at least for me on my page, because we're working with a, with a community who is looking for information, who's looking for answers, right? So we help each other. We support each other. We validate each other. So to me, it's such an 
great platform because it allows you to kind of integrate everything. And I, I, I know, I just love it. I know I always have this smile on my face when we talk about it, but I do. I just love it. That's amazing. And and we all and all of your viewers find can feel that energy and that positivity. And if pe- when people are struggling with this and feeling really frustrated because they want answers, it's nice to be able to turn to someone who's passionate and also like excited to share. Like if you find out something new and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to tell my community. <laughs> and everyone's just like, yes, please. <laughs> and that's what I love doing. I love learning and then sharing what I learned. That's been me for 22 years since I've even been in the health and wellness space. It's just the more we can, because we all help each other. We all learn from each other. I'm constantly learning. I don't have all the answers. I'm constantly learning. So to me, it allows for that. And the feedback and the engagement is so great on it. So it just, it's, it's really, it's a great platform in my opinion. You're not alone. You have a great community and ask questions. You could DM me. You could comment on my videos. You could message me. Like I try to answer all of them and I try to provide the support and you're not alone. And there's a great community, like I said, on TikTok and ask your, you know, ask, create the support network that you need. If, you know, if you have a parent or mom who's still around that you can ask, ask your mom or if your grandmother, your aunt or anybody who may have gone through it before you speak to your healthcare professional, seek a healthcare professional that perhaps understands menopause, you know, talk about it. You know, if there's a way that you can even talk about it to your friends, I've had so many people on my page say, we talk about it now. Like we're, we're open about it. You know, like you may not want to scream it from the rooftops like I do, and that's okay. But even if you're having a conversation, with your bestie, right? Like you're having a conversation saying, Hey, you know, are you kind of feeling this or so the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it and the less of a stigma it becomes. So where can we find your publications, uh, information, all of that? You can follow me on TikTok at Andrea Donsky. And my website is wearemorphous.com. So it's W-E-A-R-E. M-O-R-P-H-U-S. So the reason we called our company Morphus is because it's metamorphosis, a time of change, us as a community. So we took morph us and we kind of put the, we, we morph the words together. So great. I love the name too. So it's morphus.com. We are morphus.com. And on, like I said, there's at the top, it says research. So you can fill out our surveys. We'd love that. And then, which we're going to share the results in our newsletter. So you could sign up for our newsletter and then you can follow us on Instagram at we are morphus and yeah. So we're kind of everywhere. <laughs> Amazing. We're so excited. We're going to share all of that. And we can't thank you enough for being so generous with your information today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Health It's Personal. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts for bonus episodes and new releases every Wednesday. Please listen, subscribe, engage, and send us topics we can explore that would help you on your journey. Because health, it's personal.